Hello, hello, I'm Pete Carvel, back on Fresh Soup with my first interview of 2021. I'm going to be joined by Barry Almond of Northwest Promoters Good Grief. Can you reach for your hard hats and some air protection? In line with this month's interview, I'm up in the BPM just a tad.
And I'm joined on the line now by Barry Almond, a promoter of Good Grief, an all-round decent bloke. <laughs> thank you. Hi, Barry. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. I'm very well. It's good to hear your voice. Um, yeah, exactly. It's been a while. I'd like to start each of these interviews uh, just with a little bit of a catch-up on how we met and um, uh, some of the stories. I think it was our mutual friend, Steve, that introduced the pair of us, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, in the uh, crazy times of the uh, early 2000s. Uh, no social media, just starting parties, never know when they're going to end, you know. Yeah, being stood outside clubs, shouting our lungs out and uh, <laughs> and desperately trying to sell our club nights. So you, you started Totally Mashed, didn't you, at um, Club North in Manchester? Yeah, correct. It all, all came on the back of the whole revolt with, between Gatecrasher and kicking out their, uh, I suppose, the Crasher kids and, and trying to change their sound. And obviously, at the time, we felt it was the right time just to try and put on a party and do something for up-and-coming acts and yeah it just kind of like evolved from there obviously the name changed just to try and be a bit more professional I guess <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and it, it grew very rapidly didn't it and you, you managed to like gather your own really loyal group of clubbers to the night yeah no of course it was all about community back then and I mean it's still to a degree now but not as much because you know the community led lights is very much like one-off shows but back then it was all about regularity and you know um, that experience of people just kind of like seeing their friends you know regularly and stuff and like the DJs that were involved were part of that friendly sort of community family vibe yeah it, it took off straight away it was just like anything things just happened at the right time and um, kind of went on a bit of a roller coaster from there mm, I've heard plenty of interesting stories from um, the original days of Good Grief actually at Phillips Park I was reading earlier today uh, a tale about a night when numerous clubbers had to take it in turns to hold a speaker cable into the back of an amp uh, to prevent you having to order in a sound engineer. I mean, if that's not a crowd dedicated to a party, then I don't know what is. Yeah, well, I think back in those days, there wasn't as much emphasis on health and safety. And uh, I think as well at the same time, needs must when you're, you're a... Um, emerging promoter trying to keep costs down and trying to just you know um, essentially it was my job at the time as well I mean I literally didn't, never ended up going to university so uh, you know, literally just food on the table and just doing what you can just to put on a great party it was about the music and not so much about the safety unfortunately <laughs> but... I think I think you've always been one to like work hard and play hard haven't you I mean, how much, how much do you think things have changed over the past 20 years of good grief? I think your role now is probably very different to what it was back in 2000. I mean, the only difference is, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, you get a few drinks down, I mean, I, don't, I still don't mind flying these days, although to be fair, you'd probably struggle to find flyers anymore. Uh, <laughs> even though I do believe in the whole guerrilla sort of direct marketing is, is still very effective. Physical thing in your hand to be able to talk about. I still think it is definitely powerful, but unfortunately, there's not that many places you can really engage to, to, to give that leaflets. Mm-hmm. So, see that that's changed. The whole different types of forms of social media and how you need to adapt has changed in terms of how data's moved on and how we've got to be careful with it. And due to GDPR, so things are constantly evolving. You've got to try and evolve to a degree. But again, depending on the brand that, that we do, because it's not just good grief that I do. You know, we'll, we'll determine the type of platforms and, and evolution that you need. I mean, Good Grief still, even though it's fresh thinking in terms of its lineups, it's still quite an older demographic. So we're not on Snapchat or some of the other TikToks yet, um, because I don't believe a lot of the, you know, uh, core audience are necessarily going to embrace it. Yeah, I think I think something else with the with the Good Grief brand is the fact that over time you've still managed to keep engaged with everyone that was going in 2000 and 2001 onwards um, and, and, and I think social media and your online presence really helps with that doesn't it? Yeah of course it does yeah you've got to keep engaging you know obviously the throwback Thursday posts always help uh, to give people that, that those memories uh, like I say you know we still book a lot of the old legendary names some of those legendary names still obviously play new music so they keep themselves uh, relevant but then we still obviously give the opportunity to the new sort of overcomers, which maybe the old crowd have not heard of, but certainly the slightly younger audience, you know, are also buzzing about. So it's about finding that balance constantly, still giving the old the old regulars what they want, but then also at the same time still bringing some new stuff in. Obviously, you do the odd full-on classics night, but you don't want to be a classics brand. So again, it's finding balance between, you know, keeping relevant within within your genre, but also still dropping in the odd, the odd classic night, which people love, you know, which is obviously what a lot of these anniversaries and type of events are meant to be about. Mm. 
Uh, speaking of anniversaries, it was going to be the 20th birthday for Good Grief last year, and it's real, really sad that obviously that's had to be postponed. I mean, what are the plans for, for rearranging that as it stands? Well, the plans uh, uh, as it stands right now, uh, meant to be made at 15, but hand on heart, uh, whether it'll happen, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sort of try and convince people. Otherwise, I think we're at the mercy of the government and what they do. We know that Boris is meant to be doing this so-called roadmap in the Feb, um, which you'd like to think there'd be some clarity. How much detail we don't know. They've not been very good at giving much detail until too late. Yeah, and I think I think the current government have got is there's going to be lots of them and are in and a few words yes. of Latin and they're quite likely to turn around on what they say in February, aren't they? Unfortunately. Well, that's, that's the problem you see. So this this is the only negative about the situation we're in is just where we want to give clarity to our customer, where we value our customer, where we want to put on a party that's going to stay with them for memories for life. You know, you can't really give people guarantees at the moment. I mean, I'm pretty pretty confident you know that if we can't do may then we move to again the back end of of the year um so you know it gives ourselves the best possible chance to make it happen but it's just a bit frustrating that but then again it could be third time lucky as they say so we'll see um all the tours that we're meant to do over across the uk the arena the arena host the festivals all that sort of stuff's gonna have to go into 2022 so the weirdest thing to celebrate your 20th anniversary two years later but listen we're no different to anyone else glastonbury I think they were on an anniversary, weren't they? So, uh, I think I think one of the one of the big things that everybody will be wondering as well is is whether or not you'll be able to hold on to the venue because the venue was unique, wasn't it? Well, you're not you're not wrong there. I mean, again, you know, they did actually have a three-year lease. Now, if it got moved into next year, then 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 we're on dicey ground. I'd like to think everything should be okay this year, but there's obviously a lot of moving parts, and COVID in particular has has caused that. I mean, there is there is. Um, Plan for development, hence the reason why it was a short-term site and a unique one. But we've already got, you know, if if anything did materialise, um, we've already got a bit of a backup plan anyway. So, you know, the party will happen in Manchester and it will happen in 2021. It's hopefully, uh, you know, plan A will we'll, 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 uh, we'll come to fruition we'll see. Yeah, we very much realised the past year or so has been really difficult for the clubbing industry and music as a whole and, ven- and the venue industry as a whole. Um, I've seen you've been very busy trying to maintain your presence with a few online events as well. Though, there, have you any more of those planned for the, for the future? Yeah, funny you say that. I'm actually teaming up with a massive um, virtual reality company as we speak. We've got a couple of projects in the background that we're working towards to create that virtual concert, um, but with a real good production value. It's going to take time. Um, it's something that obviously post pandemic, you know, again you've got to embrace technology in the future. I think. Um, certainly certain events in the future that you know that sell out or in certain territories where people can't get to go you know giving them the option to be able to watch streams or events you know live I think that is very much at the forefront now I think people you know yes there'll be some resistance but I think there's also going to be some people that we will be willing to pay and will be willing to engage in them if they can't go to a show or they can't afford a show or various factors and uh, they're not from that area so Again, we are we are sort of using this time effectively to sort of embrace that and try and research and get a bit of a plan in place. And yeah, you know, we'll be busy with that. Be busy with um, some other 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 projects as well, um, which has been exciting. You know, some within dance music and some without really. I mean, you're very lucky to have quite an expansive uh, DJ roster at your disposal, really. Um, have you got any hot tips for the future that you've taken on board recently and, and what's everyone up to otherwise? It's a... I mean, again, with, with the agency, it's pretty, pretty uh, parallel to the events company. It's pretty much been shot at and uh, rug pulled from within us. We're obviously an international agency. We've got a lot of global DJ Mag Top 100 artists now in the agency. We've got a commercial side to it with legend and pop stars and, and legendary pop stars as well. So we've got two, two areas. So there's about nearly 80 acts now. And unfortunately, we can't do much trade, but when we do come out the other side, you know, like I say, we're evolving as an agency in terms of the sound. We are going to embrace some of the virtual world. You know, we, we have got a good interest already. I think people are, have got a real appetite for when they want to go out. So like I say, this time's more used for sort of research and just sort of getting things in place, ready to, to go hard. Um, like I say, we'll come back, it'll come back big. It's just got to be patient and just hopefully, you know, time flies and everyone will be looking back at this and you know, laughing to a degree, but also at the same time, um, really appreciating, you know, a new way of life, basically. Yeah, and we, and we know the moment the clubs are back open, people are going to be chomping at the bit to get back out and about and dancing again, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, again, there might be a bit of a transition between 
socially distancing and in, in, in full capacity. But I think people will do what they need to do just to be able to you know engage. I mean, you know, again, I feel for people that do live on their own and you know what I mean, or have been through various bad situations through COVID, just to be able to go and, you know, hug your friend and listen to music you love and watch DJs you, you, you aspire to. Um, you know, just that, that that experience alone, you know, you can't you can't buy really. And, and, and I think regardless of restrictions or not, I think people will be, you know, especially now we've got the vaccine and there's the testing as well to back it up. I think people will be less worried about, oh, I'm going out here, I'm going to catch this, I think. I think at least when, even though it has been prolonged, I think, when it is allowed back, you know, everything will be have been sort of bulletproof, and, and that people don't need to worry; they can just come out and enjoy themselves and just do what they love. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's certainly certainly light at the end of that dark tunnel that's been 2020 into 2021. Speaking of the last 20 years, have you any standout moments that you're particularly proud of in your days of? Well, I think it's what are your fondest memories over the last 20 years? Well, there's a fair few. To put it into a snapshot, I'd say there's a mixture of unique venues we've done before. So we've done events on old cruise liners, revolving dance floors in Blackpool. We've done it on actual real cruise liners in DFDS, taking people to Amsterdam on our ship, which was crazy, especially in the fact it was a major storm and the boat was upside down for half the time. It was, it was a rather crazy experience uh, doing events at Tall Trees which was the UK's biggest club with a hotel on site which was carnage putting 5,000 people in on one show having the likes of Tiesto play when he first got one one DJ doing Radio 1 Essential Mixes live um, doing an event at the MEN Arena as uh, one of the only dance brands to have done that um, yeah being involved being the longest branding longest brand um, that's ever uh, been featured at Greenfield since since they started. We're still still doing arenas there now. Um, so plenty of great memories. Like I say, doing shows all over the UK, doing stuff in Ibiza, doing stuff in Cyprus, Amsterdam. You know, all these things have been really uh, exciting, and, and you know, not not realizing you know what what journey would have gone on at the time. You know, um, like I say, you know, but from the small gigs, doing gigs to finding people in hard dance through to Torchy's five thousand arena shows they're all exciting it's all you know all different and that's what I love about what we do not with Discovery but the other brands and the other genres that we do because you're not just fixed to one thing and just doing a residency in one club there's that excitement of right what's you know this event's different to that event some's in a club some's in a unique space and that's the fun about it you know and, and, and I think no matter how old you get whether you're into certain sounds or not I think as long as you buzz in terms of the organisation you buzz in terms of the project you'll, you'll always want to continue doing it you know yeah, it's been 20 years of amazing achievements, really. I think when Good Grief was first born, it was very much at a time when hard dance and trance had huge opportunities. And yeah, do you ever look back at that period and wonder why Good Grief never really progressed into a super club brand when yeah, some might say it had opportunity? And it, I think there's two reasons. One, um, when I say we didn't have a residency, we didn't have a residency. We had Torches, we had Preston, 50 degrees. We did have residences, but I think if you look at all these super brands, they've got one thing in common, they owned a venue, and that venue was a weekly culture for so long. And that whole super club era was based on that regular weekly community in a in an old, like you say, super club type environment. We never had that. We did shows at these some of these super clubs and did some monthlies, but it wasn't quite the same. I think the whole music side, I think, looking back, I wouldn't say with regret, but we started Good Grief Recordings. We did a few albums, a couple of them being TV advertised as well. Um, but we never really kicked on from there in terms of really focusing on the music side, which maybe I should have done maybe more. Because if you look at your ministries, Downs and Gate Crashes and Creams, they've all backbones and obviously now your elders and you defected it's all based on the label you know and the music and I think that's one thing we've kind of let ourselves down a bit on and in that we've just been more focused on the party and I think had we done more on the music side whether it be more album, album compilation like it like what Head Candy have done or Tidy or whether it's more label stuff like I mentioned the brands before uh, or Juno Beats or, or Marda uh, then that would have I think certainly got us more international coverage and probably probably got us maybe more commercial profile but uh, like I said I'm pretty pretty happy with what we've achieved so far uh, we're now doing you know I, I'm sort of doing now festivals myself sort of boutique three, you know 5,000 capacity festivals so we're progressing and I'm sure I'll be doing bigger bigger festivals moving forward so we've definitely progressed from you know personally me and my business but you know good grief still obviously moving forward as well you know so it's it's good but um, yeah I'd say 
I say, you know, realistically, that's probably the only reason why we never got quite to that, you know, uh, Hacienda Ministry of Sound Cream sort of status. Yeah, I mean, I mean, personally, I think that you can take a lot of credit for whilst you might not have had the commercial success, uh, you've become such a reputable underground brand in the scene as well, may I say? It's like, yeah. I think a lot of people look fondly upon that because you've you've not really crossed over to that point where you lose a lot of the fun that comes with being an underground brand and and the way that that brand is 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 perceived by the people that pay to go to your clubs on a week in week out basis yeah that's true that's true i mean um yeah i mean it's uh, you know at the end of the day the music's quite niche you've still got it you know it's underground anyway and like i said don't lose sight of what you're about i think we'll start you know we could book other DJs from different genres. Your names. I mean, I've got relations with all the with all the agents, but it wouldn't it, it wouldn't feel right. It's not about what we're about. I think we are underground. Maybe not the venues we choose because some of the venues are quite high profile. Like we've done Victoria Wales, done a lot of the O2 venues, the big commercial spaces, which you'll see you know commercial brands and van, and bands play perform at. But I think musically, we'll always be quite underground and quite niche. So I think that's maybe why people keep that respect because like I say it's just about trying to just do things too commercial you know um, I, think, I think equally like back in, back in the early noughties when, when you first set out I think a lot of the larger brands were looking at Good Grief and, and thinking who are these young upstarts and how are they doing so well like the, the people that are behind Gatecrasher and God's Kitchen uh, are promoters that have been in the game for many years and all of a sudden there was this amazing night in the Northwest, good grief, that was selling out every event and, and causing quite a stir and becoming it's my club of the year and, and achieving oh so much more. And I think that's something you need to be really proud of. You know, I appreciate that. And, and, and you're right. I mean, obviously we, we, we managed to sustain our amazing relationship with Cream, who were, in my opinion, are the market leaders and the pioneers of, you know, arguably, maybe not say Hassan, possibly slightly earlier, but generally probably the pioneers of the UK. The, you know, seen. Um, we still work with them today. I think obviously there has been politics in the past with some of the other super brands uh, because of that resentment. But you know, we've not really let it get us to us. We've cracked on, and, and we're, to be fair, we're still here. We've seen the test of time. They've all finished. So um, you know, they don't see us stopping anytime soon. I think we've got at least a good, you know, five ten years at us. You know what I mean? There's no reason why we would stop really, as long as the people love the music. People have got the appetite of going out. You know, we'll keep 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 putting on the parties. I'm not, I'm not quite too old yet I think you can hold your head up higher there's not many promoters in this world that are still putting on amazing parties 20 years later with the same amount of energy and enthusiasm as you have no of course and I think that you just hit me down on the head there it's all about the love of it I mean I know it's a cliche and you know don't get me wrong you know, you know we've all got mortgages to pay we've got families to feed and, and, and obviously you've, you've got to be responsible and you've got to have a bottom line and it's all about results but at the same time if you don't love what you do that will show in terms what you do as an event, you know, and, and, and the standards you let slip, and that buzz is still there. Like I say, if I'm going into a venue and there's 500 people there, that buzz of seeing people that you like in the community and, and listening to that music uh, and having a few drinks and relaxing, um, you know, it's the same buzz as, like I say, being stood on a stage to 5,000 people at Greenfields or or doing our own outdoor events. You know, it's it's the same. It's just a different buzz, and I think you've got to have that if you want to keep successful because. So people, unfortunately, we're quite privileged in what we do. Um, just do jobs for, to sort of, just to get by, really. And, and, and I think it doesn't matter what you get paid or what you do. I think you've got to love what you do. You shouldn't just do a job because it pays you wage. I think everyone's got the rights to be able to do something to a degree of what they enjoy and earn from it, uh, regardless of the success level. So I think that's the key, really. And that's, that's, the, that's the way I see things anyway. I totally agree with you. Whilst commercial success is really important, you can't forget that commercial success should be built upon passion, really. And 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 you've done that really well over time. Thank you. I appreciate that, Pete. I'm sure you're doing quite well yourself as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's good to see, man. And like I say, I'm really looking forward to that face-to-face experience again, that catch-up with you and, and some old friends when, when the party eventually happens. And like I say, hopefully it'll be... a It'll uh, rekindle a lot of memories, but also, like you say, it'll kick on to the next era of, 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 of our plans. Yeah, that's that's so true. I think next time that we speak, uh, hopefully it'll be over a couple of beers in a, in a packed a nightclub rather than on Zoom with a cup of tea in hand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly.
Um, just to just to round things up a little bit, uh, a couple of months ago now, you uh, organised uh, a vote online for Google's top tunes of all time, and you did a wonderful little countdown in a top of the pop style. I have to I have to say, you're wasted on club promotion with presenting like that. It's uh... <laughs> thank you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that was in lockdown one where my hair was getting 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 like a wig and it's actually starting to get there and in fact I'm concerned it's going to be leaving longer than the next one now because um, <laughs> um, we're going to be out this this kind of lockdown uh, but yeah I enjoyed it and to honestly do a lot of promoters successful promoters are the faces of the brand and I think it's not just about being the faces it's about connecting now it's not about the show being me I've never been about that I, you know what I mean which is very rare you'll see me doing these type of things but I thought you know what for something like this it's in lockdown people want to see that friendly face that they know or hopefully you know, the friendly face um, I think it was quite relevant for me to talk about the, the brand and, and, and the music that, that, that people love and, and like I say it went down really well we got a lot of views and it was good it took a while to put together it took me ages in fact into the research and then the editing side but uh, again it's great and I, I like to do more of that stuff it's just again it's just down to time really and uh, you know and what have you but um, yeah it went down well I think it was fun and I think that's that's important again now and then to do things that are, are fun we also did a charity quiz as well where we got some artists famous artists like Gareth Emery and Judge Jules on, on a pub quiz which we did through Zoom uh, early doors which went down a storm as well yeah, that went that went down a storm internationally too. I've got friends over in the states that that were, were uh, sung that that event's praises. Brilliant, yes, yeah, so exactly. So I'll be honest, with you, we have been a little bit lame in this lockdown in terms of that sort of content. But um, like I say, we're close to other projects. But I think people, yeah, people, you know, you can't forget the fun as well as as like I say, you can't keep putting throwing a fly down people's throats with a ticket link. You know what I mean? So I think this particular period's giving you that opportunity to engage a bit more. In a bit of a fun, a bit more of a fun manner, but I think now some of that novelty has worn off, and I think people just want to get back to it now. They just want to get back to back to partying. Indeed, indeed. Well, I'm going to start my next mix with K90 Red Snapper, which was, of course, number one in the Good Grief uh, top tunes of all time. Great. Thank um, you. Is there anything that you feel was left out of that top 50, music-wise? Uh, to be honest, I've got a memory like a sieve, so. <laughs> I think most of them are in there, to be because like I say, we spent a few days we're going through it, looking each year, looking at what tracks were on Beatport, looking at what tracks were played in our albums and stuff like that, and working it all out to get the, the hundred and then it voted. So, yeah, well, uh, tell me about it. It's, it's been a long time since I played any Hard House or Trance, and I've tried to like pick a few pieces that... I used to love myself when I was on the dance floor back in like 2001, 2002 for this uh, mix on this podcast. Um, and it was a struggle. I had to ask around a few other familiar faces as well, see what their memories were like. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, I think to, just to close then, do you want to introduce K90 Red Snapper in your familiar top of the pop style? <laughs> yeah, so Good Grief uh, track of all time is K90 Red Snapper. Nice one, cheers Barry, it's great to speak to you and um, hopefully I'll see you at the Good Groove 20th birthday very, very soon.
massive Red Snapper by K90 and coming in now. This one's more of a personal favourite than a good grief uh, classic as such. Um, it's Equinox and Mule. If you're frightened of dying and you're holding on, you'll see devils tearing your life away. But if you've made your peace, then the devils are really angels.
just as much with Sunday Central as the early days of Good Green. Um, but it was one that never failed to fill a dance floor, that's for sure. Next up, a bit of Good Green favourite, Yeji by Manica.
just heard good grief resident alex kid teaming up with kid chaos on the remix of bk's massive revolution revolution's a track that i've heard the likes of charlotte dorissa dropping her sets recently it's nice to see this record having a bit of a resurgence 20 years later so to close the show this is a record that hasn't actually left my record box since I first got hold of it in probably about 2002, I imagine, 2003. It's an awesome track and it crosses all boundaries and all kinds of DJs play it. Murder with the Bass by DKA. I think it was probably Eddie Hallowell that made this one huge and good grief.
so then thank you so much for listening I urge you to check out some of the other shows on Fresh Soup if you've not already you can find those where you found this one and next month I will be resuming normal service and dropping the BPM back down by 20 or so and back in the mix see you then